Hello and welcome to Short Wonder, a podcast showcasing short fiction and poetry by contemporary writers from around the world. Ushmi Dosaja is a poet, author and life coach based in Eichwalde, Germany. After a divorce in her mid-twenties, Ushmi set out on a journey to explore her own life choices and goals, examining authenticity, societal conditioning and self-realisation. She has qualifications in humanistic neurolinguistic programming, quantum coaching and Ericksonian hypnotherapy and energy resourcing. Try saying that on a trampoline. All of which she employs in her coaching and writing. Ushmi is reading five poems for us today. Crumble to Create, You Are a Force to Be Reckoned With, I Choose Wonder, Storied Cloaks, and Beyond the Play of Light and Dark. Crumble to Create I know what is happening as I watch the structure of the worlds I have built collapse. Architecture rendered finely from the limited mind, that to the beholder, not akin to see beyond, they are beauty. Carefully crafted walls of gold filigree, now too delicate to confine wings that want to spread, unravelling meaning upon meaning and throwing it onto the fire where illusion is sent to burn, knowing that this knowing brings a sultry refuge embedded in the faint glow of the radiance I can already see that was promised of the other side. The smouldering remains of the heavy transmuted into light, permeating each crack of these crumbling walls as they fall of their own accord, making room from the rubble for the vastness from which I am built again. Force to be reckoned with What becomes possible when you decide you are indeed a force to be reckoned with, when you compose your inner narrative to harmonise with the melody of the magnitude of you? when you rewrite every piece you were told you are not enough into a new song and retune string upon string of the beliefs that keep you bound to an illusory self. What then becomes possible as you reveal that force to be reckoned with, a singular note of potency in chorus with all that when unleashed amplifies the expression of life, augmenting the music from the once deemed inaudible to a new anthem for all to play. I choose wonder. One life, that's all I have. Forgive me if you sense an urgency in my will to live wonderfully. For with each day, I have a day less, leaning in to the greatest gift I have. Choice, my power of discernment over how I live this life. Unapologetically, I become aware I could choose to fight already broken systems and add more fuel to the fire. I could choose to work on wounds and succumb to my not good enough. I could choose to live from fear and give in to limitation. Or I could choose to sing my own song, greeting each moment as new, bereft of old stories and pains, slowing down time and infusing it with wonder, a childlike awe and a heightened curiosity, unafraid to ask the questions that open new portals of perception, infinite pathways that lead to the moreness of what is possible for me, for you, and beyond. So, I choose wonder over fear and worry and all else that causes me to contract, making me small and limiting my power, as it is from here 
I am certain I can be and we can create a world we adore to live in. Story Cloaks I have learnt to resist my feelings. Of frailty in the stories they tell, in the forgetting all powerlessness is a summons to remember us to our light, that we may take off the story cloaks we wear to conceal our sun, as if we are not the same women who in our days decided to conquer mountains and round their peaks, stepping into the fires to become the flames we thought would consume us, simply because we are that powerful. Play of Light and Dark We whisper of our dark as if we are scared of these disgraced coats, weaved of shame and left to hang in closets we dare not open. And instead we busy ourselves, chasing stars and catching moonbeams, hoping that our flights of fancy may forever banish the terrifying notion that we may not be all good. As if good is who we are born to be. Yes, girls, swallowing our wholeness in bite-sized portions of perfection-faking until what we try to hide comes back to choke us. The undigested pieces of a fragmented inner wild that remind us our pain is to be prioritised as much as our pleasure, our dark treasured as much as our light. For these, the playgrounds of duality in the neighbourhood of our psyches are vast spheres of the same intelligence designed to inflame our spirit of adventure, that we may get curious and learn to explore our whole being, learning it is in the embrace of both the candle and the cover that we return to our freedom to be more than our inner lands, making choices that reflect who we are beyond both the light and the dark, as simply the source of possibility, choosing to experience it all as the bridge that binds us to grace. Ushmi, Dasaja, thank you so much for reading those five poems for us today. It's always really lovely to hear how an author interprets their own words and to hear them coming out of you. So thank you so much for that. It's lovely to meet you. And you. Um, I I, kind of wanted to ask you first off how you kind of came to select those poems in particular. Do they they kind of join up are they linked together or what what was your kind of thinking in those well I think I chose the ones that um they're probably the ones that are most dear to me and the reason I say that is because each one of those poems represents a turning point in my own transformation Mm -hmm. uh, and points that I where I shifted quite massively um and so I think they are connected. There's not a linear connection between them because transformation isn't that way. Um, but e- each of the poems themselves, uh, they sort of resonate with me the most as to how I've evolved and my journey of writing, really. Okay. So what's the time span then be- between those? How, what sort of time period are we looking at? Um, the entire collection was written sort of between or within three years. Um, mm-hmm. And... Yeah, there's there's no actual time span to say, okay, one was written two months after the other. It could have been, I don't remember, but it could have been one one was written the next day and, you know, the other was written three months down the line. So there's no, um, 
There's no specific time span between them. They were just points in my transformation where, which hit me the hardest, I say. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then the words came out. And, and are you, um, I'm going to say one of those writers, which sounds a bit strange, but are, are you? do you tend to, um, do you focus on one poem or piece of writing at one go and you kind of need to finish that before you move on? Or do you tend to find, or do you have a kind of a collection all in the air sort of circulating and, at, at once? No, I'm definitely one of those writers that does one at a time. Um, my process is it's pretty haphazard in that I have no structured process when it comes to writing poetry, at least. Um, mm-hmm. All my poems are an immediate response to inspiration, so whatever's going on in my life, and you know, I'm, I'm attuned to the inspiration. When I say inspiration, it's more like, what am I learning here? What's going on for me? What's, what's the bigger picture than what I'm actually experiencing or is there a bigger picture beyond what I'm experiencing right now and being attuned to that inspiration and then you know allowing writing it usually just starts as words it's just a couple of words that come out um, and then the more I engage with those words the more I engage with the energy of the inspiration um, the poem seems to come out and that's sort of how I work so it's it, it is definitely just one by one not a huge collection happening yeah, so I'm I'm definitely in in the other camp. I'm someone who who has yeah. I'm t- in fact I'm too far in the other camp. I tend to have hundreds of things on the go at the same time. Yeah. Um. But then actually for me that kind of works quite well because I tend to find that one informs the other and and they sort of right. bounce off each other and yeah. Um. I think I think if I did one at a time, um, I don't think I'd ever finish anything because <laughs> you know so so much of my writing just takes forever to get written. I think I'd be stuck on one line for you know twenty years or something yeah. like James Joyce. Um, not that I'm comparing myself to James. <laughs> well, well, slightly. Um, I, I, and actually, sticking with the, the, you know, these these poems in particular, and and the way that you're the way that you write and the words that you use, you know, I, I find it leans very much to um, powerful energies and and you know motivating um, substance. Um, is that what you're aiming at? Who, who, who's that change aimed at? Are you writing to transform yourself or is this something you're trying to sort of push push to the reader? I think the the intention behind the writing was never to, to put it out into the world. The writing itself was a, a deeply personal process um, and it was once the process was finished that people in my environment suggested that, you know, maybe I should put these out to the world, especially in the transformation world where, where they would be um, understood and, and received yeah. quite well. Um, but now that the words are out there, of course, I want, you know, I want people to, with the power and with the motivation that, that you say they have, I want people to feel that impetus through the words to, to ask bigger questions of themselves. Um, yeah, and to be curious and say, you know, maybe, maybe I am a little bit more than what I've always thought myself to be. Maybe, maybe there's an entire universe of possibility I haven't explored for myself, and you know, and how I show up. So, definitely, now that the words are out there, there is this idea that yes, I want to provide an inspiration um, for people yeah. to be curious about who they are. So, so what do you think are the key themes that that your, that you that you explore in your work are the things that which come back I mean obviously we've talked about transformation and... yeah um I think one of the key things 
within transformation itself is this unraveling, this breaking down of, you know, who we've always known ourselves to be. And so that's one of the themes in the work. And then from that, the unraveling of who I've always known myself to be comes this emergence. So this, you know, the moreness of who I've always known myself to be. So there's unraveling and emergence. Um, There's also things that I talk about, I speak about sisterhood, because that for me has been a big theme um, in my life, how women relate to each other, how we've been pitted against or pit against um, one another. And so changing that cultural landscape of how women show up for women um, that's another thing I speak about. I also speak about story a lot and how who we've composed ourselves to be is a story. And that story, can we can change that at any moment. And we have the ability and the power to change that. And yeah, that's a big piece of the work as well, the, the restoring of ourselves. And you sort of hinted at this earlier, but um, how, how, did you, how did you first find yourself writing well I, mean, I suppose writing poetry but just sort of writing in general what what made you go from I don't know scratching notes to kind of thinking actually this is this is has more form than that so you know writing has sort of been I enjoy to write it's something I studied at university but it wasn't something I had ever pursued as you know as part of part of my work and the poetry it came through after after my daughter was born and she was about two years old and um, I had this deep sense of right I've achieved everything that I wanted to achieve and you know how do how do I what's more what's what's mm-hmm. how do I get to more than all of this um and the poetry it just sort of happened as I as I did this exploration as I went through this process for myself of trying to uncover, you know, the mourners. Um, The words, my documentation of the process just happened to come out in poetic form. So, you know, what would have been journaling before um, as a means to express myself, this time happened to come out in poetic form. And to be honest, I'm not really sure how that happened. I never sat down to think, right, I'm going to write poems. It's interesting, isn't it, how how poetry in particular um, often arises out of um, a, a personal exploration into something, you know, perhaps a little more abstract and intangible. Um, and it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing, really. I'm not sure which one came yeah, first, one poetry, says, poetry yeah. or, 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 or the unfathomable, <laughs> but they, they just seem to go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do. And, and that's the thing, again, with, you know, when you read my work, it's it's far less concerned with technique. It's far less concerned with, you know, what are the elements that that make a, a good poem. It really is just how could I... I have a love for words, so that's that's definitely part of part of my writing. Um, but the other concern is how do I how do I translate this energy that um, that's coming through me that's telling me, okay, you are more than this. This is who you can be and. Yeah. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. Yeah, absolutely. So do you, do you write for a, a spoken environment or, or do you write for, I was going to say on the, on the page, but on the, on the screen, what, do, you, do you have a preference? 
I, so the spoken environment sort of just came about when I was looking at, okay, how else can I use these words? You know, I've written them on paper, I've, I've put them in a book, um, how else can I, how else can I portray these words and, and give them out to the world? And, you know, speaking them was, was, is obviously another way to do that. And do I have a preference? I think, you know, when you're reading words on paper, when you're writing words on paper, just for paper, the meaning making of those words, it's purely cognitive. So I'm writing them down. And as if someone's reading them, they're just, they're using their mind mostly to, to make meaning of those words. Um, whereas with the spoken, it's, you know, with spoken word, it's, it's a full body experience. I get to use the art of performance to bring the energy through. I get to use my voice, intonation. So in terms of preference, I'd say I, re I really do like the being able to speak them out loud and give meaning to the words in a way that possibly you can't just do that when you're reading them on paper. Yeah. I, I wanted to, to ask, you know, obviously, I mean, we, we talked a little bit before the interviews as, as, as well, but um, when, when we're looking at or when we're looking at journeys of, of self-discovery and trying to, to tap into um, this, this what you refer to as this, this moreness that, 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 that we have, um, how much of your writing is an exploration into the, into the unknown? Um, I think <clears throat> a lot of it is because what you know when you when I say moreness, it's it's a quality of something that is not known to me, an aspect of self perhaps that is not known to me, an aspect of consciousness that may not um, be known to me. So a lot of this writing has, you know, is about exploring that the exploration of what exists beyond myself. Um, it's an exploration that exists outside of the conscious mind. So for me, I use a lot of meditation, a lot of breath work, you know, a lot of tuning in and connecting to a field of um, infinite possibility and allowing that to inform um, who I'm becoming, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. what, who am I emerging yeah. into? And so in that way, it's, it's a full-on exploration of the unknown because you're going in and you're saying, okay, I'm more than this. It's not about I want to become the person who will achieve X, Y, and Z. It's more like I want to become more than. And what is that more than? And how do I translate and then embody that more than into my current experience of life, into my current experience? I have this image of, of, of you with, with, your, with your poetry as like a, a fishing rod. Right. And you're, and you're exactly. casting casting this line out into the unknown and, and then reeling it back and to, to see what's on, on the other end of it. Exactly. The, the way I sort of imagine it is I've got this antenna out, you know, and it's scanning, always scanning. Okay, right, what more can I be? Who more can I become? Um, and then the information is sort of, you're, I'm picking up that information and that information is, is usually fed back to me through inspiration or through intuition um, and that then informs okay who I'm being what actions do I need to take how do I show up um, yeah so it, it's it, it is an abstract thing um, but when you develop a relationship with living in that way you sort of can make it into a very tangible process um, mm -hmm. and then the process of becoming actually has process of becoming it it becomes a known process 
While you don't know the outcome, you don't know who you're becoming, you don't know what you're emerging into, there's certain pieces of the process that become known. So that's, you know, the element of curiosity, the element of being able to use my intuition to to see who I'm becoming or to inform who I'm becoming. The element of being able to tune into creative intelligence and allow that to speak to me through meditation, through image, through imagination as well. So, yeah. In the introduction, I I read out your list of qualifications. Yeah. um, Which which I'm not going to read out again because it was hard enough to get through the first time. Um, But um, for for those of us like like me who, who don't fully know what quantum coaching um, and neuro-linguistic programming are. Can you, can you just explain a little bit about those techniques? Yeah, and... yeah, I can. So quantum coaching in itself is what we're looking at when we're coaching in that way, is the willingness of another person to be able to surrender their known self um, to the possibility of an unknown self. And what we use in that um, realm of coaching is like I've said before, a lot of meditation, a lot of breath work, a lot of um, tuning into your body and allowing your body to also inform who you are, so your feelings. Whereas NLP sort of looks at the known self and how do I optimise this known self? So we're looking at our behaviours and our thoughts and we're looking at how language, so how we language our inner experience becomes the outer experience that that we have. We're looking at programming, so our conditioning and you know societal conditioning, our um, cultural conditioning, and seeing how can we how can we change that programming to reflect a best self. Um, in the end, though, what both the quantum coaching and the NL, the HNLP do is that they lead us to experience again this moreness, the sense of self, mm-hmm. the new experience of who I am, um, and, and that's what they both have in common, yeah. It's fascinating. <laughs> um, it makes me, um, it well, reminds me of, uh, um, actually it was one of our um, poets in an earlier episode who recommended a book, um, The Holographic Universe, yeah. to me, and, and one of the, the ideas in that which I found the most fascinating, I mean there's an awful lot to it, but um, was this idea that what what we perceive as reality uh, is in fact the kind of um, a representation of the habitual imagination of 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 our of our collective thoughts and feelings, right. um, which is really interesting. And, and when you start to get to that 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 sort of idea, particularly when when you're talking about something like poetry, um, I guess it does open up this idea that actually it's it's all very abstract and really what we're looking for is just ways of of um processing that mm-hmm. which i think is where poetry comes in, in 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 many ways yeah yeah because you're using the words to to solidify experience you're using you know in my case the words are solidifying these esoteric experiences that i've had um which otherwise i wouldn't be able to give them meaning they would just be experiences so you take the language and you use that to solidify, okay, and to create meaning out of this experience that I've had. And you could have this exactly the same experience that I had, and your interpretation of that would be completely different. 
Um, and that's the nature of also of how I see reality, is that reality is this malleable thing. There is no such thing as you know one certain reality. It's this malleable thing that we each get to define um, through our own cognitive processes, through our conscious processes, our subconscious processes. Um, so we're all sort of, yeah, we live in this world. And then what you said about the collective agreement, we've made collective agreements, um, and that tends to be then this overriding reality that we take as, as true, and you know that, that tends to be our societal um, realities, our cultural realities, or even a, a global worldview reality. Um, what my words are doing, and what I've done with my words, I guess, is to see how... I can create for myself a reality that exists outside of that collective. And that if, if enough of us do that, because part of what I'm saying in my words is that we are, you know, we are wondrous, we are magnificent, we're not small human beings just who've come here to live this small life. Um, if enough of us agree to that idea, that would then become this overriding collective reality. Um, which I think then in turn sort of makes the world a better place to live in, I guess. Sure. Yeah, well, I think it's, cliches are normally true, aren't they? <laughs> Having talked about, um, you know, this idea of a quantum universe and self-exploration and the power of words to take us to, to you know, on this journey to, to discover um, these other realities, where, did, where does your... Where does your writing and your coaching practice intersect? Do, do they cross over? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, yes, they do cross over. And, you know, the coaching itself is the actual art of the exploration. So we're looking at the questions that we ask ourselves and the process that those questions then take us on. And I think the writing, for me... Um, has been on the one side, on the personal side, like I said before, a documentation of of that pro, not only of the process, but of what was revealed to me through that mm -hmm. process, the answers that were revealed to me through that process. And then on the other side, the writing is, it sort of feeds back, you know, when other people are reading it that, the idea that this is possible for you, this or something else is possible for you. So, you know, for me, there is that intersection. Yeah, I like the idea that that your your poetry almost becomes um, a textbook that accompanies yeah. your accompanies your your practice. I've often felt that um, you know, particularly in in academia, um, there's always this this um, this kind of consensus that academic writing has to be written in a particular way. And of course, the downside of that is you can only ever um, study certain things through academia because the things that you can't write about or quantify in that way, you, you, you can't, you can't study. Um, and, and actually having, having studied um, fine art and performance studies at, at college years ago, um, it was one of the things that I found was that, you know, creative practice of, often doesn't fit very well into an academic environment because so much of it is um, 
aesthetic and spiritual and uh, it just comes from another place that um so I, yeah, exactly yeah you can't quantify it so i think the idea of, of you know of, of having poetry running con- concurrent to your other practice um makes a lot of sense i think yeah and i think that's you know some of the feedback i've received in fact those very words that um this is like a textbook to my spiritual journey i've received that feedback from from oh, really? of, of the poetry um which in it you know in itself it it lends to the idea that you my my words my desire through the words is not to say this is what is possible but it's to sort of say this or something else is possible for you. So it's not, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say this is it. This is where you're going to get after you do all your your spiritual journey and so on. Um, but it, it lends to the, or it opens up the possibility that, again, there is so much more available to us. Um, and that's, that's what I want the words to reflect. That whatever that moreness is, you get to decide that for yourself. But... The moreness is there, um, so go on the journey and, and find that for yourself. Because it makes life so blissful, and it makes yeah. it makes life joyful, you know. Yeah. Um, outside of the mundane, and that's yeah, that's the inspiration really as well. How can we, how can we take the mundane and sort of make it magic? Um, and this is one of the ways. Um, your work as as well. Um, and I understand why this this is your work. It, it focuses a lot on um, well, the, the phrase you use is, is the emerging woman. Yeah. Um, do you feel that your work um, doesn't speak to to men or, or, or non gender people? Is there a difference, or is it more just from your sort of personal um, experience? Yeah, that's exactly it. So no, I don't feel the work is you know doesn't speak to men or non gendered people. I think. The process of emergence, as I call it, is a universal process. It, it doesn't take any gender into account. Um, but because the poetry is a direct translation of my own experience and I identify as a woman, um, that's the reason I've sort of called it poetry for the emerging woman. Yeah. So we're almost out of time and we're almost on to the uh, infamous sometimes terrifying quickfire questions um <laughs> but be- before we, we get onto that I, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to, to let people know where they can find your work and uh, i know you have a book as well and wh- where can people track you down um, i think the best place to find my work is on my website so that's uh, and um, you'll also find links to the book uh, on the website which is available only on amazon at the moment um, I'm on social media on Facebook and Instagram as well. I haven't been using it, like I said, but um, yeah, there is there's that as well, and I plan to get that up and running in the next couple of months. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great, and I'll, I'll I'll put as many links as I can find uh, for you in the um, in the podcast uh, okay. copy as well. So anyone who's listening who wants to find something, they can just click on. Um, that's where you'll find it. Right. Quick fire questions. So there's yeah. ten of these. Okay. Um, no right or wrong answers. Um, just um, just quick answers, okay. I guess. The, right. The, the, right. Favorite animal. Dog. Dog. <laughs> What's the one thing that makes you happy? Food. 
What's your earliest memory? Um, oh, playing in the garden with my two dogs in Kenya. So I grew up in Kenya, playing, playing fetch with them in the garden. What's your signature recipe? Indian, so anything curry-related. <laughs> um, what's the best advice you were ever given? If it doesn't make you happy, don't do it. That's good advice. Everyone always has good advice to that to that question. Uh, can you whistle? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> the, the evidence says no. <laughs> um, the world would be so much better if only... We loved ourselves more. Uh, spring, summer, autumn or winter? Summer. Are you an early riser or a night owl? Early riser. And question number 10. What advice would you give to other writers? Oh, I think express yourself. You don't need to be like anyone else. I think you need to find that uniqueness. That is yours, um, and mm-hmm. allow that to come through. Yeah. Great, Ushmi, it's been so lovely chatting to you. Thank you very um, much. We've we've covered all sorts of stuff. We've been out in the universe and and back again, and yes. in a garden in Kenya. We've been everywhere. <laughs> um, it's been terrific, thank and you. thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks. Sir. And good luck with everything. Thank you very much.